Amen. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Let's just, let's just give it up for God real quick. I just, I love applauding him. I think it's amazing, so thank you. And then also, let's uh, thank these guys so much for taking time out and leading us in worship, too. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Well, I love that you're all here, even though it's awesome weather out there. Thank you so much for being here. It really does, uh, it means a lot to us, especially uh, leadership as a ministry, small group leaders, all of us. We, we just, we love that you're here. So thank you for spending your time here with us. If you guys don't know me, I'm not the normal guy who's up here. Uh, I'm Jesse Wilson. I'm one of the leaders here. Um, if you haven't met me, feel free to grab me afterwards. I love to meet you, get to know you. That's what we do here. It's just that simple. It's just a community of people. We just want to love on other people, talk about Jesus, try and be more like Jesus. So if you've got questions or you just want to get plugged in, please, please grab me, grab Adam, grab, grab anyone with one of those lanyards on that says, hey, how can I help? We would love to get to know you. But... Uh, yeah, so we're in the middle of a series where we were studying Ephesians, and I'm super excited because Ephesians is where I started, where my walk with Jesus started um, not very long ago. This is the book that I kind of found out whether or not I really wanted to do this or not, and so I'm really excited to, to walk through a chapter. Uh, Adam has been really gracious to let me speak, and uh, so I'm really excited to get into it. Before we do, I just want to get two things out there. One, I just want to point you guys over here to this prayer wall. Please use this. This is a big deal. We, Adam spoke last time on the importance of prayer, and really we as a ministry want to commit to praying over you guys, over whatever the struggle is. It's completely anonymous. We just want to be praying towards your situations, um, and I use it. Uh, it's, it's seriously, yeah, it's, a, it's a big resource, so please feel free to use that as we move forward. The second thing is I do want to pray real quick just before we get in, so if you guys would bow your head. Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for today, Lord, and I thank you for the eager hearts in this room, um, Lord, just to be here to congregate, to get to know you more, Lord. Lord, I pray that uh, those hearts are tuned in right now, that the focus is brought in, Lord, to you, not to me, Lord, to your word, to your message, and, and, and what we're achieving, Lord, tonight, and that is just to love on you and to grow and know you a little bit more. That's all in your son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, so... Jumping right in. So we're going to be in chapter 4 of Ephesians. So if you have a paper Bible or on your phone, I won't point you out if you're texting. Wow, ooh, it's really quiet tonight. Really quiet. You're the only one who left. Only one. It's okay. I'm just kidding. I really won't point you out for texting. Um, but seriously, get in the Word because this is where it's going to be very, very, very Scripture heavy. Um, and I want you guys to follow along. So if you guys will turn over to Ephesians 4 and we'll jump right in. We're going to start in the second half of this book. We're going to read through verses 17 through 29, and we'll break it down into three different sections. And what I'm hoping for tonight, guys, is that we just, that what, what the Lord has taught me in my walk and my understanding, I'll impart that to you so you guys can go out and use this. So jumping right in, I'm just going to read the first little section here. It's chapters 17 through 19. And I'm reading out of the NLT, but we'll walk through a couple different uh, translations just so everyone knows where we are. So verse 17, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives them because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly pra practice every kind of impurity. All right, so we're going to stop there. So that's going to be our first little home tonight and our first point. Our first point, and in a different translation in the NIV, if you're reading that, instead of them saying, 
um, that they have no sense of shame. It says that they have lost all sensitivity. And I like that version because sensitivity is something that everyone can kind of relate with, can kind of get on. So our first point is just a question. Have you lost sensitivity or all senses, all sensitivity, that kind of thing? Because what Paul is saying to the Ephesians here is very simple. He's saying, look, there are people among you who walked with Jesus, who knew Jesus, who experienced him, and he changed their lives, but they are now not in the place they once were simply because they have gotten into a routine, into a comfort zone, and they're not sensitive to the things that they once were. Paul is sending out this alarm of be cautious in this because life is a big cycle, and you can get caught in that cycle, and you can lose what's important, and that's our tuned hearts to the word of God, the whispering of the Holy Spirit, all of that. So that's kind of in a nutshell what he is crying out for. And I was walking through this and I was just trying to bring out some examples because I think analogies or examples that you can tie in with teaching is always helpful. And so I just wanted to point out some of the things that stuck out to me when I was looking for what does uh, lack of sensitivity look like. And I think if you step back and you look um, at our culture, American culture, or society as a whole, um, it's, it's pretty, at least for me, plain to see. I mean, not very far ago, just in the 50s, it was all but not allowed to put a baby butt on TV in an ad. That's funny. Come on. Really? A baby butt? Come on. Okay. All right. Okay. That kind of night. Okay. So, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm not kidding. That's real. Like, like people would get upset if there was a baby butt in an advertisement on TV. And so you fast forward, we're really not, I mean, it's like 35, 45 years, and, and now it's just like you got Hardee's commercials where people are just doing whatever they want to, and it's, it, the, that we are not as sensitive as we once were. You know what I mean? Like, come on, everybody's seen them. I know what we're talking about here. But, like, we are just not as sensitive as we once were to what we thought should be or shouldn't be up on the TV screen for everyone to see. So that, to me, is a little uh, example to bring it into a more finite picture, my small group and I have been going through this uh, study, and it's all about um, the battle of lust. And my guys are just awesome. My small group's way better than yours. Just sorry. <laughs> no, but my guys are awesome. That like literally, I was sitting in a home two Tuesdays ago, and I knew I was going to be teaching on this whole like sensitivity thing. And they start coming out with this stuff, and they're like, I just don't realize. I just wake up some mornings, I don't realize how far I've gone away of like that I'm okay with certain things, that I'm okay going to the movies and, and catching a scene I shouldn't be okay with, or I'm cool with opening up, you know, Sports Illustrated, and there's a swimsuit edition, and I'm okay with that, and I didn't used to be that way, and, and for that, I just want you, I want to give you a real world place to hold this idea, because this isn't just some idea I want to build for you up in some fairy tale land, this is real, and like I'm going through it personally, trying to evaluate myself, where am I not sensitive to the things that the Lord is? And in a nutshell, what I have come to understand is, is that I, if I'm not sensitive to what the Lord should be, then I'm not sensitive to him. So I'm not hearing him. I'm not talking with him. I don't have an open line. Because if I did, if I were in harmony with him, if I was in community with him, the second something came in that I knew he wouldn't like, my reaction would be like, whoa, I'm not cool with that. I'm not cool with that. You know, it's... It's silly, but it's kind of like, I'll use an example that I use. Okay, so like, you know how you can go off to like school or whatever, and it's totally fine to say cuss words, and that's great, but then you go home, and the second mom's in the room, that stuff shut down, like that, because you know mom is not going to be cool 
with you saying those words around. That, that's what, now, obviously, I don't want you to blend it back and forth, but that's the kind of idea I'm saying is, like, the second your parents are around you, you can take that down like that. There's a sensitivity that because you're around them, you heightened it. You know right away, don't go into this kind of conversation, don't lead with this kind of sentence starter, all that kind of stuff that you don't have later. And what I'm saying is Paul is crying out to the Ephesians, be cautious, because you can work yourself into an environment where you feel like you're doing good, but it's just simply that you don't recognize that you have lost sensitivity, not to your actions. Don't get caught up in the idea of I'm not sensitive to sin. That's the overarching idea. At the root of it, what you're not sensitive to is the Lord. And that to me is really, really scary because I want to walk step in, hand in hand, step in step with him because I struggle. I struggle a lot and I need a lot of help. And so the idea that I'm just unconsciously being desensitized by, by no one's doing but my own, that scares me because I can get into a trap and get into an issue really, really fast. When I was starting the study to try and figure out what I was going to teach you guys through this, I was reminded of a story of a guy and this guy, um, he grew up in a good home. He, he grew up in the church. Uh, his parents were in and out of, you know, different serving ministries. His dad was an interim pastor at one point. And basically, this guy grows up in a good environment, and then he goes off to college, and he gets really, really unsensitive to the things he once was, right? And and you progress his life a little further, and he's getting farther and farther into some bad activities. He gets into some heavy drinking, gets into some recreational drug use. He gets into all this stuff, and, and, and 15 years later, he's, he's stuck in a situation that he doesn't even realize he's in. He has no idea the person he used to be in the past where, where he would watch his words, where he would, he, he would watch his actions because he was holding himself to a measure that the Lord had designed, not a measure that he had designed. And... And he had, that, he had that rooting system, that relationship with the Lord. He had the sensitivity to hear his voice when, when the Lord was saying, no, 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 don't go there. That's not going to be good for you. That's going to pull you away from me. And so we got the, you know, the sensitivity of the Lord, the Holy Spirit urging him to go this way. But he is just like slowly, notch by notch by notch by notch, getting farther and farther away, getting farther and farther away, until the point where he's so far away that it literally is going to come down to him trying to push his way back. But he doesn't even realize he has to push. He thinks he's doing just fine. And that, it, 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 to me, it's just so, so dangerous because literally this guy, one night, after taking some prescription pills for recreational use, lays down next to his year-and-a-half-old daughter, and he's laying in bed, and the high starts to hit him. He starts to get up, and he looks at his daughter, and he realizes, and he says out loud, he asks the question, what am I doing with my life? It happens like that. It's not this thing of like you go out, you make one decision, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, my life is way out of whack. It's six months, three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, and then you're laying in a situation that you had no realization that it took such a stark contrast from the man who, who literally took recreational, for recreational person, reasons, drugs, and he's laying next to a life that he's brought into the world getting high, to, to spark that, like, whoa, I'm not who I used to be. That is really scary to me, because that could be me just like that. Before I came into the net, before I found Jesus, I was almost, if not borderline, an alcoholic. But it wasn't until I sat down across the table for someone, and they said, I'm not going to order a beer, because I know you struggle with that, 
and I'm sensitive to the fact that you might fall on that. I realized in that moment that a human being other than myself cared more for me than I did. And he is laying in that bed, looking at his little innocent, harmless daughter and recognizing, I, I don't care about my life. I don't care about her life because I've grown so insensitive to all the things that I used to be sensitive to that would help me protect myself and her. So the question is, have we lost sensitivity? And that's a question I want you guys to think about as we walk through the next two phases of this, this little brief lesson. That's a question that you got to ask yourself. you got to ask yourself daily and make sure that you're keeping yourself on check. I would like to say that in the story, this guy threw himself up out of the bed, washed all the pills down the drain, and changed his life. I would like to say that, but he didn't. Because he put his daughter to sleep, he got up, he went to bed, and he woke up the next morning still just a little bit more sensitive to things. Because it's that step. You know, it's, it's 10,000 decisions that get you down the road, and one decision is not going to bring you all the way back over here. So he made one decision last night to have this panic moment, and now he's got a little bit of sensitivity, but it's in a really high, extreme situation where there's drugs involved and his daughter involved. But in normal day life, nothing's really changed. But I would love to tell you that it did. It wasn't until really he recognized that a change had to happen that anything really, really affected his life. But we'll get to that. The second phase of Ephesians that Paul is writing is verses 20 through 24. And this is an exciting part for me. I like this section because Paul just kind of lays it out in, in plain terms, and I'm not the smartest person, and so I appreciate him writing like this. So here's what it is. This is verses 20 through 24. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. All right, so this is that middle section. This is phase two of our little talk. And I really like this because it's really plain and simple. He's just saying, look, you knew Jesus. You've experienced Jesus. You've had an interaction that caused you to recognize, wow, I need to do something. I need to make a change on this. So basically he's saying, look at your old life. Remember what Jesus has done for you and make the jump. Make, make the effort to try and get to this. But but he also lays out what that effort looks like. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. I just told you guys a little bit about my former life. And that's a daily thing I have to throw off. It's not like something that uh, you don't long for. It, it, it takes time to get unsensitive to the ways of your former life. And so... I just wanna, I wanted to pause and say that because I don't want you guys to think that you're going to go out and you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to pray and it's going to be awesome. You're going to say, look, I don't want to be this person anymore. I want to be this person. You can't go from here to here without individual progress. And so I'm not trying to be unencouraging. I'm trying to be encouraging in the fact that you, there will be moments where you fail. You will make the same decisions you thought you never would make again. That's okay. Take it to the Lord. Ask for forgiveness and work on it step by step. You know, Adam used an analogy uh, a couple months ago, it's like compound interest. 
And basically there's all these little tiles that build up. And if you, you take a tile that literally you have to put down with a tweezer, like it, it weighs less than like a third of an ounce. And you start with that tile and you go up half sizes, every single size. Every single size is just enough to knock that next tile down. And it's the idea of like compound interest. But the interesting thing to me is if you start with that little bitty tile that literally weighs like a third of an ounce, in, in 29 short steps, which 29 steps, like, and you think about like an action that you take that one day was better than the day before, in 29 actions, the tower you're knocking down is three feet taller than the Empire State Building. That is huge. And it's only 29. So if you take that and you, you apply that to the idea that literally it could just be one action a day that you change. I'm not going to think this way. I'm not going to go out and drink too much. I'm not going to lust ever this girl, or I'm not going to go to that website. Whatever it is, just one, just one. If you made one a day in 29 days, I feel like you would be making a lot more decisions that would line up with those. And that's what my life was about. It wasn't like I went out, got my life cleaned up, and then I was all good. Like every single day now, I'm making one more decision to try and get closer to this model of putting on a new nature created to be like God. That's a huge goal. But whenever you think about every single day, you have hundreds and hundreds of opportunities to strive towards that goal. It's there. It's there for you, and, it's, and he wants you to have it. See, I needed to make a change, but I couldn't know that until someone looked across from me and gave me the reality of that. That's what Paul was doing with Ephesians. He's saying, here, make a change. Don't get unsensitive. You don't know what you're not sensitive to. You know what I mean? Like, you, you have to you have to have something that jars your recognition of what you used to be sensitive to or what you need to be sensitive to. And this guy that is sitting in this situation, he had one moment where something jarred him a little bit, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't until a little while later that he ran into a Christian man. This guy came into his life kind of haphazardly, and they just started living life together. And there was an incident that happened that forced a conversation where they had to be very brutally honest with each other. Um, in short, the guy that was sleeping with, with his daughter on drugs, um, he had stolen something from this guy. And, and he just couldn't bear it. He just couldn't, he couldn't handle the fact that he had stolen from this guy that would, was his friend. He just like, it just like inside him. And so he asked the guy out to lunch and he said, look, I gotta tell you something. And he just confesses everything. And he it, and it just, just starts pouring out of him. He just confesses that his marriage isn't as good as he would like it to be, that he stole from him, that he's not the man that he always thought he would be. All of this stuff just starts flowing out of this guy. And here is this Christian man ready to accept him and, and, and help him walk through this. Now, let me highlight, in my opinion, the, the piece that is important. The piece that is important to get to this phase is the moment with, with his daughter. Maybe it was the moment with his daughter that made him just sensitive enough to feel some remorse about stealing from him. Each individual step that you take towards being more sensitive is the most important. It's not the last one. It's not the first one. It's each one. It's the one that's right in front of you. Adam spoke last time, and he talked about the idea of boiling water, and that it's like literally one separation degrees goes from boiling to not. And and, I, and for me, I like to get really hyped up on that last one. You know, I want to go from water to boiling water. But there are, what is it, 211? There are 210 other degrees that I have to make to get to that. And I cannot get to 211 without getting to 210. And I cannot get to 210 without 209. And so I say that to emphasize 
Do not belittle your victories. Celebrate them. Love them. Jesus does. It says in the Bible that when one sinner repents, they go crazy. They rejoice over and over. And so when you walk in life, and, you, and you'll know, because like the second you start praying to the Lord, I want to be more sensitive to the things that you want me to be sensitive to, it'll be like that. It will be like that. And you'll make one decision, and if you take a second and you sit in that, and you rejoice, even if you have to fake it like the, like the angels do, it's amazing. You feel so good about the fact that you've made progress. And you may not be at 211. You may be. But it's progress. And each step is as important as the last. And I really believe that in this story, the catalyst that set this guy up to be broken in front of another Christian man over his struggle was the fact that he laid in bed with his daughter a few days before and the Lord softly and gently spoke to his hardened heart and said, something's got to change. Something's got to be different because this is not the life that I had for you. Don't be dulled to me and miss out on the life that I have for you. And that set up a whole chain of events to put him in his position to give this out to the Lord with this other guy who was there to support him. And so we're walking through this guy's, you know, story in this guy's life, but I want to pause because I want to talk about the progression that led him there. In the same way that you can get to the boiling water, the same way you can get away. And what I mean by that is, is when you're thinking about the heart that Paul is writing about, the hardened heart doesn't happen over, day, over, over one day. The hardened heart happens over held anger, frustration, pain, things that you hold inside that that you carry with you day after day, that you don't even realize that, that you've got a coworker that made you angry two years ago, or you've got a, you've got a family member that didn't show up to a birthday party, or, or you've got a, a life that you thought you were going to have that, that you can't have now because of a, a health injury, or so you're angry at the Lord, and, and you just kind of internally put that inside and you walk with it, as opposed to taking it and freeing yourself of it, and slowly and slowly and slowly, your heart gets harder and harder and harder until... It's unsensitive to the Lord. And so I just wanted to retrospect that in one way it works just the exact same as the other. And that's the thing. Like your hardened heart is not going to change in a day. But it can change over time. And it will if you let it. And this guy is working towards that in that process. So we've got this idea, right? The first one of should we be more sensitive or not? Are we sensitive enough or not? The second one is the idea of, okay, we've got this new self, and I have to put that on daily. I have to heighten my idea of what my new self means. But in that token of that hardened heart, it doesn't say, if you start thinking about it, I'll just unharden your heart. What does he say? He says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. It has nothing to do with the hardened heart. He doesn't address the hardened heart. He addresses your thoughts and your attitudes. It's through the daily reminder that I have a better life to live that you slowly get more and more sensitive to the Holy Spirit because the hardened heart is really hard to remove. It's really hard to get out of. And if he just said, just don't have a hardened heart, that would be a huge deal that we wouldn't have any kind of idea what to do with. How do, how do, I, how do I become sensitive to things I wasn't sensitive to yesterday? And he gives us it. It's with our minds. Our hearts are somewhat fickle, and they're somewhat dangerous, and we can't really trust them. We learn that from the word. 
our, our fleshly desire, we want, we want things we shouldn't have, but we know better. You know, it's like when you're two years old and you do something wrong, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that. I can hide that kind of thing. You know right and wrong right away. Your mind understands what's good and what's bad. And your mind is yours. And so what he's saying is, if you want to soften your heart, get your mind right. Wake up in the morning, look at the life you used to have, the person you used to be, and say, I don't want that anymore. I want to go there. I want to be this person. Get your attitude right from the very beginning. And I don't care if you have to re-up every five minutes in that. Do it, because it's through your heart, it's through your, sorry, through your head, through your thoughts, that the Lord's going to soften your heart. And there are days, just being honest, you're going to have to wake up and like lie to yourself and convince yourself. Like there, are, there were days early on where I would be halfway through the day, I was working at a different job, and everyone after my job would go out and get drinks and that kind of stuff. And I would walk into work and I would tell myself over and over again, I'm not going to the bar, I'm not going to the bar, I'm not going to the bar. But inside me, I was like, oh, I just want to go to the bar. I just want to go with everyone. I want to go and get some drinks. But I had to tell myself, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going, until one day I walked in and I just wasn't going. And it wasn't like that happened over time, but you, you, you'll get so in tune with the right thing that the wrong thing just isn't even an option anymore. It's just not even there. So hold that, that thought process, because that's going to tie in at the end. All right, part three. We're moving kind of quick, but it's okay. Part three, Ephesians 4, 25 through 29. And this is in my opinion, really, really, really important because the enemy is really sneaky. The enemy is really, really sneaky. Uh, and what he does is he gets these footholds. So here's what he says, verse 25. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And do not sin by letting anger control you. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul language or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So, we've got this idea of sensitivity, now this idea of a new self. The next thing he does is he says, while you do this, there will be attacks. While you do this, the enemy's going to work against you because he wants to hold you in that lack of sensitivity phase. He wants you to not know that you're doing things wrong. That's the best route for him because then he doesn't really do anything. But what he warns us again is there are, there's a couple key actions. Stop lying. Be, you know, be honest. Stop, stop stealing. If you're stealing, just do good things with your hands. But the key thing is where he says don't let the devil get a foothold. Don't give him an avenue to get in. Uh, so I'm going to be really transparent. Tonight. I didn't think I was going to talk about this, uh, but I talked about my small group. So there's this, we're doing this study about the whole lustful battle, right? And I'm a guy, and there's plenty of people out there who battle this, so I don't feel bad about it. But I struggle, and for a long time, struggle with lust and the avenue of porn. It's a battle I battle with every single day right now. It's something that I'm in the heat of. And I'm not super proud about it, but I can stand proudly and my small group guys will back me up, is that I'm doing better today than I was yesterday, which makes me feel good. But let me just be 100% like transparent. 
to start that battle, I had to eliminate every single avenue. I had to sell my computer. I had to sell my laptop. I had to get a program that physically blocks every kind of activity for my phone to get me to where I needed to be because I knew my life is filled with technology. And that technology, for me, is a foothold for the enemy to start. There will be a day where it's not. There will be a day. We, in, in our small group, we call it our last day. The last day I have to worry about, will I go back to that or not? And I'll have a last day. But starting off, and right now, I'm not ready for that. So I'm taking that foothold and I'm throwing it out with the idea that the enemy's not going to get me that way. So when you're walking through this, understand every single step you take from non-sensitivity to sensitivity is a step he's trying to push back on you to go back this way. And he is going to try and find every single avenue possible to get in there. Because what you're doing, in a sense, is coming from there to here is you're fortifying yourself. You're fortifying yourself against him. You're recognizing the things he doesn't want you to recognize. And you're telling him, I'm not cool with that because the Lord's not cool with that. And so I'm going to take a step this way. And he's saying, no, 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 that's totally fine. It's okay. Look, everybody does it. It's in movies. It's on Netflix. It's in video games. It's everywhere. You're fine. It's not that big a deal. But it is a big deal because, in a sense, all this is is, do I want to be closer to God or do I want to be farther away from God? And the farther away you are from him, the easier the enemy's job is. And so when we're in that, we need to know that these footholds are really, really strong. It was not easy for me to do that. I did not want to do that, like me, Jesse, as a person. I did not want to remove that from my life because I enjoyed it. I say that with quotations because I don't really enjoy it. My flesh enjoys it. The second I get done, I feel awful. I feel dirty. I want the Lord to love me, and I know I'm doing something that he doesn't like. It's not that he doesn't love me, but it makes me feel that way, and that's the enemy. The enemy gets me in this foothold. He gets me over here. He has me make a decision that I shouldn't and then tells me it's the Lord's fault. That is not what the Lord has for you. So if there are footholds in your life, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's porn. I don't care if it's gossip. I don't care if it's whatever, anything. If there is a way for you to cut that off, do it. It's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. It's going to be really, really, really painful at first. But I promise you, not very far off, you're going to start feeling stronger. You're going to start feeling stronger, and you're going to start feeling stronger. And those, strong, those strongholds that were once like literally just like held you like a crutch are going to be nothing. They're going to be nothing. I can't tell you how awesome it is for me and my small group, just for me, to go in on a Tuesday night and tell those dudes, not once this week, not once this week. That is so like incredibly amazing to me to celebrate that victory and to know that the enemy in my life's strongholds are starting to be torn down and my own strongholds are starting to be built. The Lord is starting to build in the place of the enemy's strongholds fortified defenses for me. And that is huge for me because I'm, I'm starting to win the battle. And we need to start progressing that way and start winning that battle. I, I, I'll let you guys into my story a little bit just because, I don't know, sometimes you get these stories and you're like, ah, it's a far off thing and it's a person we don't know. But um, I want you guys to be invited in the, into the vulnerability of like, in this ministry, we're people. We're real people. We have real honest struggles. We have real honest victories, which are awesome. And we celebrate those, and we want to celebrate those with you. And we want to walk through the, the defeats with you. 
The story that I've been telling you tonight um, is not a far-off fairy tale. Uh, the story that I have been telling you is of a very good friend of mine. And uh, I, I started off not telling you who it was just because I didn't know if I'd be able to get through it. Um, the, the Lord is really amazing. And he took this man who grew up in the right situation, made some bad decisions, and he put me in a position to make a mistake also because they were my drugs. I had knee surgery. I got irresponsible with my drugs. And they were in my bag at work, which I had to take them for a while while I was at work to get through the day. And then I forgot about them. And I put him in a position to fall hard. The good thing about the story is that there's no fall that's too hard for the Lord. So on a Thursday, he steals drugs from me. On a Friday, I send him a, a quick message saying, hey, dude, you look a little rough. You want to grab some lunch? You doing okay? He says, no, I'm good. Following Monday, he comes into work. He looks rough again. So I said, dude, you look kind of rough. You want to grab some lunch? Nah, I'm good. So I get into my bag. I'm ruffling through some stuff, and I recognize there's a pill bottle. I'm like, oh, I totally forgot these were in my bag. It's completely empty. And I know for a fact there was plenty left because I didn't take them all. Not even close. So I start going into a panic, and I pull him over because he's my buddy. And I'm like, dude, I have a real issue here. I have a real, real issue. Someone has taken these drugs, and I know it's not my roommate. I know it's not my girlfriend. I know it's not me. And I'm freaking out that someone in our office, one, I have put them in a position to make that terrible decision. Me, I did that by being irresponsible, by not being sensitive. But two, it's someone in this office. It's someone I trust. It's someone I work with. And he was like, no, 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 there's no way it's someone in this office. Like, who in this office would do this? It's exactly what he told me. Who in this office would do that? And I'm like, I, no one. Like, literally, I don't know. I can't think of one person. So we have these little morning huddles that we have to do as a company. So we get together. And then outside of it, we come out. We're walking out. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm losing my mind. Like, I'm really stressing about this. I don't know what to do. And he was like, how about this? Let's grab lunch. Get your mind off things. Sweet. Thanks for being a friend. Appreciate it. It'd be great. Him and I, wanted, he wanted to talk about some stuff going on in his relationship and everything, so that's kind of planned. So we get to lunch, and we're talking a little bit, and I start inviting him into my struggle with what I told you guys I'm going to go with the porn and all that because I felt like maybe that might be something he was addressing with his, with his relationship. And he stops me. He goes, stop. I got to tell you something. I took your drugs, and you just broke. And, and the reason I'm telling you guys this, because, because there are areas of your life where you need this. There are areas in my life where I need this, where I need to be broken to understand the insensitiveness that I carry towards what the Lord wants. But the most amazing thing to me is literally two and a half weeks before the Lord wants me to talk on Ephesians 4 about being sensitive, he brings a man into my life that he says, here, be what I would be to them. He gives me an opportunity to be sensitive like him. And to be honest, guys, right after he told me, like literally the split second after he told me I still, in my head, I was angry. I said, that's not cool. That's ridiculous, in my head. But out of my mouth, I said, oh, that's okay. Like literally, it was like that calm. I think I scared him. I was like, that's okay. He goes, no, no, no you don't understand. And I go, no, that's okay. He goes, no, I don't deserve that. And that's where the whole thing changed. 
The whole thing for me changed. I recognized right then and there what the point of this whole thing is, this whole message and this whole story that he's walking me through, is that absolutely you deserve it. Not because you're deserving, it's because Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago and made you deserving of it. The enemy had taken my friend and told him, you're worthless, you're, you're ruined, and you don't deserve to be saved. And I was sitting in a restaurant, and I was, I was really angry. And so I just told him, I said, that's absolute crap. That's absolute crap. Jesus decided you're worth it. And this, guys, I cannot tell you how amazing it feels to be on the right side of sensitivity. It's nothing I did. I wanted to be angry at him. And in that moment, the Lord showed me, maybe you're not quite as sensitive as you thought you were. But luckily, somehow, he got the words to come out of my mouth. And this guy's life has not changed, like, oh, so huge, big deal. Like, it's not this huge, like, he's this amazing person all of a sudden. He is a great human being. And I love him dearly. It's why it really, really, like, just wrecked me that he felt like he didn't deserve what Jesus is freely giving him. But he's got a long road ahead of him. And I have a long road ahead of me. But we're going to walk hand in hand together. And I'm already seeing the fruit of him making those steps. And I want that to be encouraging to you because this was just two weeks ago. He's already telling me, I'm a better father. I'm a better husband. I'm a better worker. I, come, I get up in the morning and I have a reason to hit my feet on the floor because I have, outside of like every single daily task, I have a task for the Lord that I have to do. And it's to be better today than I was yesterday. And in that, he is slowly growing a little more sensitive and a little more sensitive and a little more sensitive. We need this because there are areas in our lives where we are walking through, where we are taking steps and we feel just fine, and we're not fine. We're, we're rotten inside because we don't even recognize what we're doing. We don't even recognize that the Lord is like right next to us screaming like, no, don't do that. It's ruining you. It's a disaster. All of that. But, we, but we're just not sensitive to it. And we need people in our lives also to pull us sensitive to it. So, whew, it's a miracle I didn't cry in that. But to round things up or out, really, I just, I just want to give you three key things. Because like I said, just in the progression of becoming more and more sensitive to the Lord, you can't go out and do 50,000 things to try and change your life. So in my opinion... If you guys want to come on up, you can. In my opinion, and I prayed hard over this, so please, please um, consider these things. These are the three things that you can do the second you walk out of this door to try and become a more sensitive person to the, to the Holy Spirit, to the Lord. The first one being, just pray for sensitivity. Just ask the Lord, what am I not seeing? What am I, what am I actively walking in that's absolutely against what you want, but that I don't even realize it. And I have a scripture, actually, that if you don't know where to start on that prayer, you can pray. And you can thank our small group, guy, my small group guys for this. I talk about them a lot. They're pretty cool. But uh, I, this is not me. This is, my, this is my small group guys' ideas. So, they, so this is, we're calling this our, war, our, our, our like battle cry, because like this is what we're praying for ourselves and over each other. And it's Psalm 139. It's just the last two verses. And seriously, if you get to a point where you're not comfortable praying or if it's early and if you're new to the faith, whatever, just literally go in and, and, and read these. Just say this out loud. So it's Psalm 139, 
verses 23 and 24. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I couldn't have given you a better way to ask the Lord, just test me, find out what's not working in me, make me better for you. And the end is, is my favorite part, is lead me along the path of everlasting life. It's a path, guys. It's not a quick fix. It's not a 60-day challenge. It's a lifelong, and, it, and in Jesus' book, everlasting path to get closer to him. The second thing that you can do is be real with the results. This is an important one, and I want you to really write this down because being real with the results is the only thing that's gonna produce any kind of fruit. You could say, Lord, please, you could pray this every single day, and he could show you stuff. But if you're not real with yourself about the fact that you've got some things to work on, you're never gonna work on them. You're never gonna work on them. Like When I got challenged, hey, maybe you have an issue with your drinking. I could have taken that and like, yeah, sure, whatever, and just kept drinking. But I had to be real with myself of like, holy smokes, I have a problem. I have an issue that I have to deal with. And my buddy has got a whole slew of issues that he's now recognizing. But it doesn't matter that he recognizes them. It matters if he recognizes them and then does something about it. And you can't do that until you're honest. Like everyone knows, like if you can't look in a mirror and tell yourself where you're doing good and where you're doing bad, Nothing's going to change for you. It's not going. It's just not going to. So be real with the results. The last one is pray, or rather every morning, put on your new self. Even if you have to lie to yourself about it. If you say it and don't believe it, I don't care. God is faithful. And if you say, if you tell him, I don't, I don't really believe this, but I want to, he'll be faithful in that. There's... There are story, there's story after story after story of people experiencing the Lord, loving him, and then doubting him. And the thing that happens in every single one of those right after they doubt him is he remains faithful. So those are the three things for me that I'm walking through daily, and I hope that you guys can walk through daily. The idea of pray for sensitivity. When the Lord shows you what you're not sensitive to, be real about it and, and invoke some change in your life. And two, every single day, every single day, put on your new self. Because God has given you that. God has told you you are not the person you used to be. You are a new creation that I have made you in. And like Paul said, we are created to act like God, to emulate God, and to walk as righteous. So that's what we're going to try and do. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just, uh, we just stop for a moment, Lord, and we just, uh, we just want you to know that we love you. And Lord, as, uh, as this group of people get ready to, uh, to walk out into the world, Lord, there are going to be challenges. There are going to be uh, things they don't even recognize, Lord, but I pray that each one of them sincerely reaches out to you, says, I want to be better I want to be better for you. I want to be more like you. And then whenever you give them that, I pray that you, that you give them the strength and the perseverance to change, to address it, to walk through it. 
Lord, I pray that everyone in this room knows that everything done here, everything said here is for the intention of loving them and loving you. And so when those battles come, I pray that you let them know that their battles are our battles and they're your battles so they can not only invite us, but ultimately, Lord, they can invite you into that battle because the battles will come, the strongholds, the footholds that the enemy has, they will become apparent and it's not an easy process, Lord, but we have you on our side and we have each other. So Lord, as we get ready to get back into some worship, Lord, and the music, Lord, what I just pray is that the hearts in this room, they pause for a minute, they listen to the words that we're about to sing, and they ask you earnestly, Lord, please, please help me to be more like you. It's all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.